You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. It has been a few days, lots of things happening, going on, busy, blah, blah, blah. My bad, it happens. Last night, though, or two nights ago for you, wife and I did um, celebrate our 10-year anniversary. So just allowed ourselves to enjoy that. Went out to our favorite restaurant, came back, it was very late, and I said, no, let's just go to bed. Put the kids to bed, turn on uh, Married at First Sight, and pass out. Just living the dream, man. Anyways, I wanted to make sure that I got something out to you today. It's going to be a short one, but it's going to be a show, so here we go. Um, the, the only thing I wanted to touch on, there's, there's two big things that need to be done, and I need to make sure that they get done. Number one is sort of an update on where we're at, that's the most important. And then talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's the goal for today. And so we will start with the injury report, which last week there was not a lot of names. We're starting to head in the right direction. And then we took a hard left turn. Um, First of all, Jair and Quay Walker. Neither of them practiced all week and are doubtful to play. So I would just go ahead and assume that they are not. So we finally get what we've all been asking for, presumably, which is the Valentine-Valentine game. So, yay. (laughs) Uh, With that, we also have Josh Myers, who cropped up on the injury report on Thursday. He is questionable with a knee injury. John Runyon didn't participate on Wednesday, has been limited ever since, is questionable with a neck injury. Yash Nyman, which if you're keeping track, that is our third offensive lineman. We're not done. Didn't participate on Wednesday, limited the rest of the week, questionable to play with a back injury. And guard Elton Jenkins was limited all week. He's probably going to play, but I figured I'd bring it up since the offensive line is completely jacked up. I mean, Zach Tom is literally the only offensive lineman that is not hurt, with the exception of Rasheed Walker, but I don't even know who our starting left tackle is at this point. Yash and Rasheed are so interchangeable. 
And as soon as they think that they have one, the guy gets hurt, and then the other one comes in, and I'm just lost at this point. I don't know. I don't know what's going on over there. Um, Aaron Jones also has a hamstring injury, but is probably going to be okay to play. Rudy Ford is uh, limited, questionable, calf injury. Kenny Clark was limited all week, questionable with a shoulder injury. So that's a lot of names. And usually I say, yeah, they're questionable, but they'll probably play. But the way this year has gone, I would bank on at least a couple of these guys not playing. In addition to Jair and Koi Walker, who are almost certainly not playing. For the Pittsburgh Steelers, a much shorter list, but they do have two guys officially out. That is Minka Fitzpatrick, who is a very good football player, and our old buddy Montrevious Adams. You don't want that smoke. <laughs> That's about it. Cam Hayward, who is also a fantastic player, does have a groin injury. He's likely to play, going to play, I don't know. But, you know, still has a groin injury. Also, Nick Herbig, linebacker, and Alandon Roberts, outside linebacker. Before we turn to the Pittsburgh Steelers, I do want to do one thing really quickly, and that is to just kind of take stock real quick of where we're at as a, you know, as Green Bay Packers fans, as a team, whatever. So right now the Packers are sitting at three and five. The Packers have nine remaining games, meaning the best possible record they could have would be 12 and five. Five of the nine games are on the road. We got Steelers on the road this week. Then two weeks after that, we have the Lions. That's on Thursday, Thanksgiving game. Two weeks after that, we're on the road against the Giants. Two weeks after that, we're on the road against the Panthers. The very next week, we have the Minnesota Vikings. The home games are the Chargers, the Chiefs, the Buccaneers, and then the Bears. The Pittsburgh Steelers are a 5-3 and three team. So despite them being a complete joke of a franchise right now, especially with their offense being just completely inept, the reality is they're not much worse than the Green Bay Packers, and they have a very ferocious defense. The Chargers are also seen as somewhat of a joke, but are sitting at 4-4 four and four and have won their last two games. Now, that's the Bears and the Jets, but they beat the living crap out of those two teams, 30-13 and 27-6. Then we have the Detroit Lions, who are on the road. The Lions already beat us 34-20 the last time that we played them. They are sitting at 6-2 and two as one of the better teams in football and have won, let's see, well, I mean... There's no point even really going through it. I mean, six and two means six of their last eight. Now, to be fair, I don't think they've beaten a single good team this year. They did beat the Chiefs, but again, that Chiefs team, if you watch that game, that that team sucked. That team was garbage. Aside from that, they beat the Falcons who suck, the Packers who suck, the Panthers who suck, the Bucks who suck, and the Raiders who suck. They played the Ravens and the Seahawks, and they lost them both. However, regardless of how fraudulent they may be because they beat up on bad teams and can't beat good teams, the Packers are not a good team. Then the Kansas City Chiefs who are sitting at 7-2. and two. Again, no point going through the whole five of their last six or whatever nonsense because they're 7-2. and two. And if anything, their only two losses were fluky. They lost to the Lions, which is a joke, and they lost to the Broncos, which is a freaking joke. And they just came off a win against the Miami Dolphins. They also beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are contenders. So um, very good Kansas City Chiefs team. Then there is the New York Giants, who are sitting at 2-7. and seven. This is the worst offense in all of football. They scored 20 points just once. They got to 31 against the Arizona Cardinals. Aside from that, the highest score they've had all year is 16. They have failed to score more than 10 points five times. They've only played nine games, and in five of those nine, they didn't, they didn't do more than 10 points. 0, 12, 3, 16, 9, 14, 10, and 6. Are the Packers better than them? Yes, offense and defense, way better. And no, being at home has not helped. Then we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They are sitting at 3 and 5. 
They have lost all four of their last four games coming out of their week five bye week, where they went into that at three and one. They were having a real hard time trying to find their offense. They scored six points, 13 points, 18 points. They finally found their offense in week nine, scoring 37, but the defense gave up 39. Now, who's better between the Packers and the Bucs? I don't know. It's probably pretty close, but the Bucs are a bad football team. Carolina Panthers are 1-8. It needs no explanation. They did beat the Houston Texans 15-13, to but they have not won a single other game. They lost to the Falcons. They lost to the Vikings. They lost to the Colts. They lost to the Bears. They lose to everybody. I will say, of all the, the teams I've seen, they have faced the most competent teams that, of, of anybody. They played the Falcons, who started off relatively hot. And are four and five. They're not terrible. The Saints have a winning record. They played the Saints. They played the Seahawks, who were tough. They played the Vikings, who have kind of gotten into a groove. They played the Lions, who are very good. They played Miami, who's very good. They played the Texans, who are good. They did lose to the Colts and to the Bears, but the Bears game was just barely. Then they go on to play the Dallas Cowboys, which is freaking brutal. But they got some more winnable games. Tennessee Titans, Buccaneers, Falcons again, Packers, and Buccaneers. It's probably one of the tougher schedules, so that's rough for them. Then we have the 5-4 and four Minnesota Vikings, who have won four of their last four and five of their last six, despite the fact that they've lost everybody on their team. And we end with the Chicago Bears, um, who are starting to actually win games. They lost their first four, and then after going 0-4, they are now at 3-7, and seven, meaning 3-3 three and three in their last six games. They beat Washington, they beat the Raiders, they beat the Panthers. They lost to the Vikings, the Chargers, and the Saints. So of those games... I would say the Steelers are better than the Packers. The Chargers are better than the Packers. The Lions are better than the Packers. The Chiefs are better than the Packers. The Packers are better than the Giants. The Bucks are, we'll call it a tie. The Packers are better than the Panthers. I, I can't fathom not being able to beat a Kirk Cousins-less, Justin Jefferson-less Minnesota Vikings team. But at this point, I see no reason to believe that the Packers are better than the Vikings. And the Bears are pretty close to even at this point. But I'll just say the Packers are better. So let's just say it falls that way. That would be loss, 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 loss. If we're being optimistic, it would be win, win, win. Let's say win, win. That's five wins down the stretch, which is like worst case scenario. That would put us at what, five? So it'd be eight, eight and nine. That is literally the worst case scenario. (laughs) That sucks. I think if you lean a little bit negative on some of those ties, it would be loss, 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 win, loss, win, loss, win. Call it three more wins. Put them at six and 11. At the absolute most optimistic, you beat the Steelers, the Chargers, the Giants, the Bucks, the Panthers, the Vikings, the Bears. You lose to the Lions and the Chiefs, and that's it. If the Packers can really hit the throttle and stay hot through primarily four quarters, not saying every game has to be perfect four quarters, but none of this we only play in the second half nonsense. I think the Packers have a chance, have a path to 10 and 7. But it is, I mean, it has to be like something absolutely changed radically against the Rams. And I just don't necessarily think that's going to happen. I mean, it happened last year too. We always beat the crap out of the Rams. Always. I think, again, Matt LaFleur, I just think, has Sean McVay's number. Which, let's be honest, that makes sense. We did it to him last year. We did it to him the year before that. We, we, we always do it to them. And we, last year, after we beat the crap out of the Rams, we went on to win some games and then play the Detroit Lions and get embarrassed and knocked out of the playoffs. So, I mean, it's tough to see a really good outcome either way you slice it. I don't see a super promising or realistic path to the playoffs. 
possibly if you can get in with nine, it's maybe doable. And I don't really realistically see a path. I mean, if, if you're asking me right now, you're looking at probably six to seven wins, which is not, I don't think, anybody's favorite outcome. But again, very winnable game, and I and I winnable games, and I do think the Pittsburgh Steelers game will give us a lot to work with because the Rams was just one game. Maybe it's because the Rams, because they suck. Maybe it's because we have the Rams number. Maybe it's because we actually turned it around. Maybe it was just a, a thing that happened. That doesn't need any explanation. Sometimes you just play well. You know, just everybody happened to come up heads as far as like, this is going to be a good day for them. Just most of the team happened to have a good game that day. I don't know what happened. Maybe the Razul thing gave him a little boost. But that was just a short-lived thing. I don't know. But the Steelers are a much better defense, number one. It's on the road as opposed to at home, number two. It's a different week, number three. And so we'll be able to see, you know, whether it was just a one-off, whether it was just the Rams, whether it was just the quality of the opponent, whether it was, you know, a home thing. Just a very different situation this week. And if they can do it again, then I'll probably start to have a little bit of belief that there's maybe something real here. But I am a skeptic. Not not of the defense. I mean, I, I'm not saying I think that the defense is good, but the Pittsburgh Steelers offense is terrible. And uh, I think not having Jair is going to be problematic. I think anyone saying Jair to Ballantyne is not a drop-off is being silly. Not to say Ballantyne can't come out and ball out like Valentine did. I'm just saying it's probably a little silly. But I want to see if this offense can actually operate against this defense. But anyways, why don't we take our first break? We'll come back. We'll take a look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers. PFF currently has them ranked as the 26th ranked team or I should say 26th ranked roster in terms of the amount of talent on it. The Packers are sitting at 19. Quarterback Kenny Pickett did not have the big jump in performance that I had predicted coming into this year, although he's kind of doing what he did last year. So last year, the reason I believed in Kenny Pickett is because through week 11, he was terrible. And then starting in week 12, his grades were 88, 70, 61, 76, 92, and 70. He was the number one quarterback in football from week 12 on. So I thought this dude really broke out. This year, he has a 67.9 grade. However, week one was a 52. Week two was a 35, which is terrible. Since then, it's been 71, 58, 66. And then the last three have been 79, 77, and 78. So four of his last, what, six games have been pretty solid. His worst game was basically average. So he's been picking it up for sure. Looking at the wide receivers, the number one guy is George Pickens, not necessarily grade-wise, but in terms of the targets. He currently has a 71.7 PFF grade. He has 521 yards and three touchdowns. Um, he's very, very boomer bust. It's, I mean, his grades are 55, 77, 75, 48, 90, 80, 56, 47. It's like bad, good, good, bad, elite, great, bad, bad. Last week, it was five targets, two receptions for negative one yards. He started putting all over social media that he wants to be out. He's deleting all his social media for the or the Steelers stuff from his social media. It's just a complete disaster. Wide receiver two is Deontay Johnson, and he is the highest graded wide receiver on the team. 23 receptions, 302 yards, and a touchdown. He has an 82.3 PFF grade. However, he's only played four games. Uh, dealt with a pretty big injury. He was out from week two to week six. But the last three weeks, week seven, eight, nine, 81, 70, and 82 have been his grade. So, you know, I mean, I don't fully understand. I know there's a lot of talk about the offensive coordinator being complete garbage and all that, but it's like, okay, so the quarterback is doing a good job via PFF. George Pickens is the number one wide receiver. He's, he's, you know, some days good, some days bad, but whatever. He's he's good-ish. Deontay Johnson is a good wide receiver. Why can't you do anything? <laughs> I don't understand. How are you so bad when you're good? Number three wide receiver is Allen Robinson with a 52 PFF grade, then Calvin Austin, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the third most targeted receiver actually is halfback Jalen Warren. He has a 72 receiving grade. So they got three pretty decent receivers if you include the running back. Uh, those are the three with at least 200 receiving yards. Nobody else does. Also, as far as the tight ends go, not a lot of production. Connor Hayward has been the number one tight end. 57 grade, 14 receptions, 162 yards, and a touchdown. Pat Fryermuth is generally their number one um, tight end, but he's been out since week four. They also did get Darnell Washington, who I really wanted. He has played all eight games and um, has a 48 grade, has two receptions for 17 yards. That's all he's done this year. Shows what I know. Then we get to the blocking. 
um, and this is definitely where some of the issues have arisen. The left tackle is Dan Moore. They did get Broderick Jones, who I really liked, um, out of Georgia. I think I did anyways. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure I did. Maybe not. He's played a little bit, but Dan Moore Jr. is their left tackle. He has a 31 pass blocking grade and a 57 run blocking grade. He's given up 27 pressures this season. At left guard, they have Isaac Suamalo. He has a 65 pass blocking grade and a 64 run blocking grade. At center, they have Mason Cole, 34 pass blocking grade and a 56 run blocking grade. That is, uh, he's given up 16 pressures. Right guard, James Daniels. He has a um, 61 pass blocking grade, 64 run blocking grade. And right tackle, Chikuma Okorafor has a 60 pass blocking grade and a 62.9 run blocking grade. So just so we're clear, from left to right, starting over, here are all the pass blocking grades. 31, 65, 34, 61, 60. So Isaac Suamalo at left guard is the best pass blocker with a 65 pass blocking grade. That is to say, just so we're all clear, the unstartable Josh Myers would be the best pass blocking offensive lineman on that entire team. By the way, the run blocking from left to right, 57, 64, 56, 64, and 63. I mean, they can't even hit a 65 for run blocking. Like, I I know it's run blocking and whatever, but there's nobody that's good. There's not a single player that is good in any one category on the offensive line. The only good grade in run blocking is Calvin Austin, the wide receiver. The good pass blocking grades are Darnell Washington, who's done that 19 times, tight end Connor Hayward, who's done it seven times, and tight end Pat Fryermuth, who's done it five times. The three tight ends are the only guys with good pass blocking grades, and they don't pass block because they're tight ends. And on the flip side, two of the worst uh, of the four guys who have pass blocking grades in the 30s, two of them are starting offensive linemen. Terrible. Terrible stuff. Why don't we take our final break? We'll look at the defense, the special teams, etc. And then we'll probably have to get out of here. Uh, we'll see how she goes. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, defense going from the inside out. The defensive tackles are so-so, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. So the top guys are have been Larry Ogunjobi, 53 grade, Montrevious Adams with a 59 grade. That should tell you a lot right there. And then Keanu Benton, he does have a 75 PFF grade. That comes purely from pass rush, and it's a 10% pressure rate in one sack. 
So the production isn't massive, although they seem to really like him as a pass rusher. Now, you might be asking yourself, if you're somewhat familiar with him, what about Cam Hayward? He is an elite pass rusher, and he has been. Since 2017, his grades have been 89, 84, 91, 90, 91, and 90. This year, however, he's only played in two games. Well, one and a half games. He got injured halfway through the San Francisco game, and last week against Tennessee was his first game. In the San Francisco game, in that half a game he played, he had a 56 PFF grade. In his first game back against Tennessee, 63. Now, it's very possible that he has officially shaken off the rust, and uh, the groin injury that he currently has that we talked about is good enough, and you're going to see peak Cam Hayward, and he is going to mess some stuff up. It's also possible that 34 going on 35-year-old Cam Hayward isn't exactly going to have a banner year this year. Something to keep an eye on. But otherwise, again, it's not, you know, despite the talk about how elite the, the team is generally, it really is mostly the, <laughs> the edge rushers, which we'll talk about now because they don't have any bad edge rushers. Their number one guy is TJ Watt, 91 grade, 81 run defense, 88.8 pass rush, 82 coverage, because why not? He has 39 pressures and 10 sacks on 281 attempts. The number two edge rusher is Alex Highsmith. He has an 88 PFF grade, 76 run defense, 81 tackling, 82 pass rush, and yeah, a 76 coverage grade, because these guys can freaking cover, which is stupid, because why would that be a thing? But it is. The number three edge rusher is Marcus Golden. He has an 80 PFF grade, a 69 run defense, 78 tackling, 73 pass rush, and a 76.5 coverage grade, because why the heck not? He has six pressures on 44 attempts and three sacks. After that is Nick Herbin, 2023 rookie Wisconsin Badger, has a 77 PFF grade, 79 run defense, and 61 pass rush, 30 pressures and a sack on 31 attempts. So it's mostly TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith, but there are four guys at edge who have taken snaps, and the lowest graded guy has a 77 PFF grade. That's ridiculous. At linebacker, the number one guy is Cole Holcomb. He has a 64 grade, 72 run defense, 70, or basically an 80 tackling. The coverage isn't great. It's a 55, but solid up front in the box run defense guy. Number two is Quan Alexander. This is a guy I'll never understand for the life of me. I mean, I, I do get it. He's a, he's a coverage guy, and that's why teams like him. But 59 PFF grade, the guy always makes a ton of money everywhere he goes, but yet nobody ever keeps him, which should be telling. Like, he's so needed, and everybody wants him so bad, they pay him a ton of money, and then as soon as they can, they get rid of him, and somebody else picks him up for a ton of money. But he has a 30, uh, 31 run defense grade, 42 tackling grade, but a 74 coverage grade. So Cole Holcomb is your run defense guy. Quan Alexander is your coverage guy. Then they've got kind of a number three, Alandon Roberts, 73 PFF grade, 73 run defense, 63 coverage. So I don't know how much of him we're going to see. Probably a fair amount, and he's not bad. Then at corner, the uh, the two top guys, number one is Patrick Peterson. He has a 54.2 coverage grade. Um, time has just not super been great to him. He's had one good game this year. That was against Las Vegas. Since then, his grades have been 40, 45, 52, 56, and 50. I mean, he hasn't even had an average game since week three. Patrick Peterson has been getting absolutely cooked. I mean, he's never really been consistent. He's never had more than two good games in a row. I mean, his best stretch was probably 2015 to 2018 in Arizona. Um, but, I mean, Patrick Peterson, he's going on 34. It's just, 
it's not so much in the cards right now. I mean, he's 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 bad. And then on the other side of him is Levi Wallace. Levi has a 50.6 PFF grade. He has had two good games, unlike Patrick, who had one. Week three against the Raiders, and then week nine against Tennessee, both in the 70s. Aside from those two games, his grades have been 43, 45, 58, 46, and 43. Good Lord. 2018 undrafted free agent, and he plays like it. Then they've got our old buddy Chandon Sullivan. He's been living in the slot, kind of sharing it with Patrick Peterson. I don't exactly know how that works. Sometimes it's Joey Porter goes out there and Peterson's in the slot. Sometimes it's Peterson and Levi with Chandon in the slot. I don't exactly know how that all plays out, but Chandon Sullivan is a 44.6 grade. He had one good year, and that was his first year in Green Bay. Aside from that, it's been nothing. He had a 74 grade that year, then it went down to a 60, then it was 55-55, and so far this year, a 44. It's been pretty miserable. He has not had a good game this year. Joey Porter, uh, second-round pick, Penn State guy. They're real excited about him because his dad was a Pittsburgh Steeler. Um He's been actually pretty decent. He's been their probably their best corner. He has a 71 grade. But with that, it's been mostly average, but nothing really bad. I mean, 54 is like his worst game. Everything has been like right at 60, but then he also had a 75 against Cleveland and a 91 PFF grade against Baltimore, which had to make his dad proud. You know, rivalry and whatnot. But he played 21 coverage snaps in that game, one target, zero receptions, and a pick. So they threw at him once and he picked it off in that game against Baltimore. So his role has been expanded a little bit. Um, From week five to week seven, it went from 28 snaps up to 53, then 59 in week eight, and then 70 in week nine. And it looks like it's Levi Wallace's snaps that have been declining. His snaps went from 66 to 49, and then in week nine, it was 38. So I think Joey Porter's starting to take over for Levi, Levi Wallace. But again, they're all playing. All four of those guys are playing and somewhat interchangeably, and I don't exactly know what the plan is going to be for the Packers. If I had to guess, it would be mostly Patrick Peterson and Joey Porter with Chandon, but there's also going to be some Levi and Joey with Patrick in the slot and maybe some, I don't know, I'm lost now. I forgot what I ever said, but you get it, right? It's all interchangeable. Chandon is a slot guy. Patrick Peterson is a boundary slash slot guy. Levi and Joey Porter are boundary guys that are battling for one spot. All right. And then finally at safety, Minka Fitzpatrick, um, who has been a very good football player, is certainly not necessarily dominating this year. He's playing much closer to what I said when I initially said I didn't think it was a great pickup by Pittsburgh. He had a 61 grade in his rookie year. I was like, I don't know why everybody's so hyped about it. Goes to Pittsburgh, ends with an 80, and then the next year, 76. And it's like, oh, so I guess I was wrong. He is elite. And then 2021, he had a 57 grade. And it's like, I guess I was right. He's a bump. 45 coverage grade. And then he had an 82 grade in 2022. And it's like, well, I guess I was wrong. He's elite. And then this year, he has a 65 grade. The The thing is, he is consistently an elite run defender. Coverage is very up and down. So his coverage grades over the years have been 59, 77, 77, 45, 83, 59. But again, Minka is um, is uh, officially ruled out for this game. So whether or not you agree or disagree with the Minka Fitzpatrick assessment, it doesn't matter because he's not playing. Um, the starting safeties with him out, I believe, will be Keanu Neal and DeMonte Kazee. Keanu Neal was the uh, longtime Atlanta Falcon. Then he went to Dallas for a year, Tampa for a year, and is now in Pittsburgh. Keanu Neal, I think, is in, there's a lot of safeties who get a ton of credit and 
I, I, PFF in particular just doesn't like them. Maybe it's their grading scale that's just trash. I have no idea. Um, they have a hard time grading safeties or something. I don't know. But um, Keanu Neal is another one that has been getting some hype and his grades have just not matched that. His first two years, it did. And then he just hasn't really played full seasons and his grades have not been super great. Um, 60-40, 60-30, 50-60 this year. And he hasn't had one good game via PFF. One good coverage game, and that was week one. He's listed as a strong safety, and his run defense grades are not even good. He had one good run defense grade against Las Vegas in week three. DeMonte Kazee was a fifth-round pick. He has a 64-grade, 55-run defense, 65 coverage, so pretty average across the board. One good game, and that was week two against Cleveland. So really, I mean, as, as stout as this defense has been, where they've got the edge rushers, They've got guys on the inside with Cam. You've got Minka Fitzpatrick on the back end. You've got some pretty good corners over the years. That's just not really the case right now. Now, the defense is still producing, but it's not as perfect as it has been. It's really just elite edge rush play, and I'm assuming just really solid culture and fundamentals and things of that nature. Scheme, whatever. And, and you know, I mean, pass rush can do a lot. That's why we invest so much in it. But the order of the day is going to be contain the pass rush and you got a shot. That's going to be it. And then as far as special teams, uh, nothing really to write, write home about. They've actually got a ton of guys that have taken turns with returns, which is not generally a good sign. Chris Boswell is their kicker. He has a 90 PFF grade, um, 11 of 11 on extra points, 14 of 15 on uh, field goals. The only one he missed was in the 50-yard range, 4 for 4 in the 20s, 2 for 2 in the 30s, and 4 for 4 in the 40s. That leaves 4 for 5 in the 50s. So probably, if I had to guess, one of, if not the highest graded kickers. Punting, if you care, mediocre. They do have quite a few guys uh, on their special teams unit. I'm not going to go through their names because it's not that important. Darnell Washington is one of them. But quite a few guys with really high grades as special teamers. But as a team, they're ranked 17th by PFF and Green Bay is 18th. So we'll call it comparable. But anyways, I'm going to leave you with that. Short one today, but it's that or we go day three without a pod and that's unacceptable so have a good uh, day talk to you tonight tomorrow whatever have a good one bye-bye